We've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Oh, boy. Here we go. Are you kidding me? Out of the gates? This is not happening. By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig. Pumba, you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot. That's why they call me Thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Magic on a Dollar podcast. My name is David Dollar, and this is episode number 62 of the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and I am here to talk about Animal Kingdom, and I'm going to bring in my friend Jennifer Kaufman. She's going to help us out a little bit. She's a former podcaster, and she's a writer, she's a singer, she's a mom, she's a friend, uh, she's a guest on my other show, the Deucecast Movie Show. She's all around uh, all around awesome. She's going to tell some stories about Animal Kingdom. We're going to talk about the, the park, the experiences, the attractions, even a little bit of Animal Kingdom. Lodge, and she'll even share that story about how she was in a red dress laying across a piano singing at Carnegie Hall. Okay, that didn't really quite happen, but she'll share the story when we get to it. But uh, you can find me online, magiconadollar.com. Find me there, and just so, you, just so you know, June 18th, that's this coming Tuesday, 2020 prices release for Walt Disney World. They drop the prices for the full next year. Uh, for most of next year, we'll be able to book basically through October, and then through November and December as the uh, as the weeks progress here in June and on into July and August. But uh, contact me, magicandadollar.com. I'd be happy to help you out. And remember, if you do it all by yourself, you're going to pay the exact same price as if you called me for qualifying packages. That's packages on property. Uh, I'll help you with your dining. I'll help you with your fast passes and everything else and help you with all your planning. And you pay the same price exactly. So I would love to help you. Got a few news stories before we get to uh, Jennifer real quick. Let's hop on some news. Well, howdy, folks. Let's gather around. Here's some Disney news from around these parts and around the world. First up, got a trio of news stories here for you. Just a few quick hits. Uh, D23 happening this August at the Anaheim Convention Center, and it is a massive building. It is a massive place. It's a massive convention kicking off Friday morning on August 23rd. Some of the big panels and the big uh, the big presentations are coming up. They've kind of given those announcements. Now, Hall D23, that's the big one. That's the one that you want to be into. That's the one that people either have to buy tickets for or they have to get in there and wait, on, wait, in, wait in line for a very, very long time. Basically kicking off the entire thing at 10 30 in the morning on Friday, August 23rd, you'll have the Disney Legends Award Ceremony hosted by Disney Chairman and CEO Bob Iger, awarding uh, those visionaries and artists who have made contributions to the Disney legacy, of course. We've gone over this before, but you'll see Robert Downey Jr., John Favreau, James Earl Jones, Hans Zimmer, uh, Bette Midler, Kenny Ortega, and a number of other people that have made Disney what they are, and I, I love the Disney Legends presentation, and uh, I think it's a great thing, and I love how they honor the, the, the people who made Disney, uh, some in artistry, some in movies, some in television some in, you know, in the parks, things like that. I think that's fantastic. Uh, later on that afternoon, uh, if you stick around, uh, at 3.30 in the afternoon, the highly anticipated streaming service Disney Plus will give guests the first look at some of the content. You'll see Lady and the Tramp live-action movie, The Mandalorian, High School Musical, The Musical, The Series. That's what it's called, High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, and more. Um, now, you will not see full episodes of these, but you will get glimpses of some of these new things coming up, and I think The Mandalorian is going to be a hot property. That is kind of a, a Boba Fett spinoff series. If you know about Star Wars, he is a Mandalorian. And so that's kind of where that comes from. On Saturday, some of the bigger things.
Wings, the Walt Disney Studios will give a behind-the-scenes look at the blockbuster collection of upcoming films. On Saturday, August 24th, you'll get to see new Walt Disney films. Pixar Animation Studios will be giving a sneak peek of their stuff, including Onward, which is their one coming out next year, and more things. Disney and Marvel Studios and Star Wars will be presenting some of their stuff, so you'll get to see some sneak peeks to a lot of the upcoming films. On Sunday, the big news. 10.30 a.m., step into the magical world of Disney Parks, experiences, and product. Chairman Bob Chapik will come out, and he will give you what's new and what's next for resorts around the globe, including more about Epcot and uh, Walt Disney World in Florida. Uh, D23 Expo tickets are available. Just go on to d23expo.com for all of that information, just so you know that Saturday tickets and three-day passes are sold out. So if you want to go on Saturday, you were out of luck, I would hit eBay if you could. Down at Walt Disney World, they will be returning to the animation experience. Well, uh, animation classes do return to Walt Disney World, but it's not like at Hollywood Studios where it used to be. Actually, it's going to be over at Animal Kingdom, which the aforementioned Animal Kingdom we'll talk about in a few minutes. Now, this is announcement was, was made after I talked to Jennifer, so we don't actually even mention that. But Animal Kingdom will be the old Animation Academy in all but the name, providing Disney visitors once again with the opportunity to learn how to draw a beloved Disney character and take that drawing home as one of the best free souvenirs on property. It's really cool because basically you go in and they teach you how to draw a Disney character. Now, they all, a lot of times will have a schedule at 10 o'clock, you know, go in and learn how to draw Winnie the Pooh and maybe Simba. You have to draw, you know, Pumbaa. The next one maybe is Donald Duck or maybe draw Mickey or whatever. Uh, my wife and I on our honeymoon in 2004 actually both have drawings of Goofy that each of us did in the Animation Academy at Hollywood Studios and of course now it's going to be over in uh, Animal Kingdom. The Animation Experience will be located in the Conservation Station at Rafiki's Planet Watch which is reopening on July 11th and you will be able to get a Fast Pass for the classes which is really cool. I think it's going to be pretty busy for the first few days it's open so if you really want to do it it is a free souvenir, it's a free experience and it's it's really fun actually. It takes a little bit of time but it's really fun and you get to take that drawing home for free. Of course you got to figure out where to put it as you're walking around the park so that's kind of fun walking around with a big sheet of paper that you drew that you don't want to get damaged but you're like hey I'm going on Collie River Rapids. What the heck? So, <laughs> got to figure that out. In our final news story, this is something a little bizarre, actually. Last week, guests were feeling electric shocks on attractions throughout the day at Volcano Bay. Now, for those of you who don't know, Volcano Bay is a water park. Now, the last place you want to be feeling electrical currents and shocks is while you're in the water at a water park. According to a report in the Orlando Sentinel, guests who visited Volcano Bay last Sunday began feeling small shocks in attraction areas as early as 9 or 9.30 in the morning, just after the park opened. In addition, guests continued reporting feeling small discomfort throughout the day, and some lifeguards also beginning to feel electrical pulses. None of the shocks resulted in any physical injuries or anybody uh, really got hurt, major or minor, but, you know, again, you're in the water and it's kind of weird. If you know anything about Action Park, which was a park in the Northeast, they had electrical issues around water rides and eventually somebody died. You actually can go online to... um to a, a series called Defunct Land on YouTube, which is a fantastic series, by the way. And they actually have a, a little little mini film on Action Park. It is the most bizarre thing you'll ever see. It's 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 a it's basically a a, a theme park that just had no safety regulations whatsoever. It's insane, and it's insane because it's true. Movie came out a few years ago called Action Park uh, with Johnny Knoxville in it. It's a terrible movie, but it's based on a true story, which is crazy. Anyway, back to Volcano Bay. The park did not close down until 6 p.m. Um, because Universal wanted to kind of calm online rumors and let people know, hey, it's not a big deal, it's okay. And, and truthfully, it wasn't a big deal, except for the fact that people were feeling shocks in the water. Uh, several guests did report feeling shocks throughout the day. A few employees went to the hospital, but all were found to be fine. 
online, and they were all released. Universal performed an internal investigation and, and has identified and fixed the problem that was causing the shocks. I don't know that they've really released everything uh, about what happened, but everything, as far as we know, is fine. So if you go to Volcano Bay, you shouldn't be feeling any shocks. Just a kind of a weird little story there. So let's start our attention now to my friend Jennifer Kaufman and Animal Kingdom. Now, I have to tell you that this recording is going to sound a little weird because... In my little production studio, my little nook, my recording nook uh, of my home, uh, had had a snafu. I had a little snafu, had a little breakdown of, of things going on, so I had to move to a different place in my house so the quality of my audio doesn't sound that great. I do apologize right off the top. My my good friends on Twitter, the Roku Depot, they like to they like to uh, you know review a lot of podcasts and they always review production value. So Roku, just so you know, I am in fact aware of the fact that my audio does not sound great. I apologize in advance for that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation I have with Jennifer Kaufman. Stick around to the end, uh, you know, as I as I wrap up and close up shop. Got a little announcement for you coming up. Um, anyway, that's all coming up. Let's turn it over now to Jennifer Kaufman. Okay, so for those people who are listeners of the Newscast Movie Show and, of course, this show as well, you will know my next guest, somebody I have been trying to get on the show for a very long time. Uh, she is a singer, and she's a Disney file, and she's a, she's a former podcast host in, in her own right, wonderful on the microphone, plays a lot of movie games with us when she comes on the show. So proud to finally have my friend Jennifer Kaufman on the Magic $100 podcast in between all her travels to Carnegie Hall and Los Angeles and Hong Kong and the Arctic Circle or wherever it is she's traveling this week. She found an hour to be on my show. Jennifer, so glad to have you on. I am glad to finally be here. I have been to a few of those places and I'm glad that you said I play movie games and not win movie games. Because you have won before though. You have won once or twice. One, maybe, maybe well, once. Usually it's, usually it's my co-host Michael kind of tapped me on, on the knee going, hey, let her win. Let her win. Right, right. That's, her that's why I need to record in person so I know you're not actually doing that. Now, let's not go past the Carnegie Hall thing because I noticed online, you know, you're, you're playing Carnegie Hall, you're singing, you're, you're headlining piano on the stage, and, <laughs> no, no. or maybe Dude Kaufman, your husband is playing, and you're laying, you know, across the top on the red dress like the Fabulous yes. Baker Boys, or what circumstances put you at Carnegie Hall? Oh, gosh. Well, certainly no red dress and Dude Kaufman on the piano. Um, I wish it was me headlining, but that's, um, that's still a pipe dream. I sing with a choral group here in Cincinnati, um, a bunch of people who have you know families and day jobs and miss putting on concerts and miss doing music more frequently. So um, everyone kind of comes after their nine to five or when the kids are with a sitter or something and we make beautiful music usually in like bars our, our usual venues are bars or churches which is a great juxtaposition but um yeah then we got invited to carnegie hall to add that to the list so bars churches carnegie hall um it was incredible it was really a i grew up dancing and singing so it was like a absolutely a dream and uh, i cried on stage of course because of course of course that's what you do. but i did it at rehearsal mostly thankfully so i actually did get to sing when we were supposed to be singing so. that is that is super cool that is really cool it's, it's I've, I've seen carnegie hall as in i've walked into the auditorium to see the whole place i've never seen anything perform there i had i had you know lunch at the carnegie deli with a big slice of cheesecake you know i love new york city so i love the whole area so that's just so you carnegie hall and of course you're singing with a choral group and to you it's like oh cool it's carnegie hall and for me i'm like Coffin's name is in lights on the matinee. Now performing tonight, 
dude and Jennifer Kaufman performing and, you know, whatever. The fabulous Kaufman, Kaufman couple or whatever. I think that's great. I think that's we, really we, cool. We need, so. a, we need a dude Kaufman and, yeah, we need some sort of great stage name if we're going to get to Carnegie together. So we were talking about Animal Kingdom, and this is a little series that we've done where uh, it's a good, bad, and magical. Uh, we've, got, we've talked about the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Terry Weaver came on the show. We went to the park. We talked to uh, Upon a Star Jen, and she did uh, Epcot with me. And now we're talking to Animal Kingdom. And I noticed that – because I sent you the two parks we haven't done, Hollywood and Animal Kingdom. I was like, which one do you, would you really rather do? And you immediately came back, exclamation point. You're like, Animal Kingdom. Apparently, you love Animal Kingdom. Am I getting that right? I do. Yeah. So Studios was my favorite park when it was MGM and when I was like in high school and uh, the first few times I went back to Disney World as an adult. But now Animal Kingdom was an easy decision. It's like one of my favorite places in the universe to be. I just think that the I'm a big Joe Rohde fan and I think right. the detail and the amount of backstory and the fact that they brought craftsmen over to thatch the roofs and all the cultural stuff. And I, I love it. I love it. And I feel like it's the one, the place that most out of all of Walt Disney World, when I step into Animal Kingdom, I immediately leave Florida more than any other park allows me to do. So I love it. It's, it's cool to hear you say that because I also love Animal Kingdom. People ask me what my favorite park is, and I tell them it's like having children. You yes. love them all equally, but on some days, you like one park more than the other. You know, exactly like you, you love, I know you love all your children equally. You love them all the same amount of love. But on certain days, you might like one more than the other for certain reasons, maybe good and bad. I, it, it happens. And the same thing with the parks. I do love Animal Kingdom, though. And I find that um, as a Disney travel planner, magicbuddydollar.com, uh, I, I do find that, that people will say, you know, hey, we have two days in the parks. We want to go to Magic Kingdom, of course. And they'll say Hollywood or they will say Epcot. And a lot of times, Animal Kingdom is the one they leave out. And I'm like – no, you need to go to Animal Kingdom. You need to be at Animal Well, I think it's like a half-day park. No, it's not. That's you where. have the whole day at Animal Kingdom. So... The half-day park is when I usually come back and say, it's my favorite park. Now, granted, <laughs> it's not actually probably my favorite park. But like you said, some days it totally is. Yeah, some days it is. Ironically, I went to Disney World for the first time in high school, and we had three days. And I was like, well, obviously, Animal Kingdom was new. It was probably, it had probably been open a year, year and a half. And I was like, well, I'm obviously not going there because despite what they say, it is definitely just basically a zoo and there's, I'm not wasting time in Disney World to go there. And so I didn't go until several years later. And now, now it's definitely a multiple day park for us. All right, so Animal Kingdom, and we're, we're going to start basically by walking through the gates into the Oasis. And, of course, the Oasis is you got the exhibits as you walk through. You've got the Rainforest Cafe. You've got the Golden Gate Gifts. And we even – well, Discovery Island is the tree of life. So, really, it's just the opening Oasis. And for me, we'll just start – we'll just go good, bad, magical. For me, with the good – now, I love the trails. I love the animals, little, little exhibits there. A lot of times you'll walk through and you'll see cast members. They'll have different animals, little bugs and snakes and rodents and things out for the kids to kind of see and stuff. And I love that whole just atmosphere because to me it's a little different than any other park you walk into, you know, because you can see everything when you walk into – well, for the most part, everything is in Hollywood Studios and Animal King, or, uh, Magic Kingdom and Epcot. You have this wide spectrum of, of visuals. You walk into Animal Kingdom, you're really just seeing tree, trees and sidewalks. And for me, I, I love that. I think that's really good. It's really solid. Absolutely, mine as well. I think that the coolest thing about it um, is that every time I go, so we don't spend, it's not like we put it on a list and go to the trails. We tend to just go wander them whenever we have a little bit of time to wander and I feel like I see new animals every time I go and I'll say oh my gosh is that new and they're like no it's been here for 10 years but there's so many places tucked around at the back of the tree of life and um, I just I think that yeah especially if you think it's a half day park or you walk right by it you miss a ton of really cool 
exhibits. And like you said, interactive um, animals being out sometimes too. So that's my good as well. Yeah. Well, I will do my the, the bad. And this is really more of a, I wish they would do this again because they used to, and maybe they do this sometimes, but before I went to Animal Kingdom, I, or I would go to Animal Kingdom, and every time I would go in, they had those open courtyards there where they had these little areas kind of off to the side, and they would have characters out there. And it wasn't just Chip and Dale or you know Di- Daisy or Donald. It was characters a lot of times you didn't get to see. First time I ever met Flick. He was out there at Animal Kingdom in the front courtyard. First time I ever met uh, you know, uh, a Brer Bear and Brer Fox, they were out there. Before you even go into the actual gate itself, yeah. they're there. And I just thought that was so cool. And they haven't done that in a while. Or like I said, they will bring out some familiar characters, the regular characters, which, are, which is fine. But I can meet Mickey in like 17 different places. I can't meet, once, I, I can't meet Miko. I can't see Miko all the time. Right, and so right. I, I need those characters back there. So come on, Animal Kingdom, fix that. That's what you need. You need that to fix cool. that area. I do like – I actually somewhere on my list, I don't think as a good, better – I was going to say ugly, magical. Um, I think I definitely mentioned that we used to see a bunch of cool characters there. Like, we, I mean, that was when Jiminy Cricket was hard to find. He was there and Pocahontas, and those are really great ones. My bad is actually not not too bad. <laughs> um, I I am kind of over it's tough to be a bug. I think mm. it's a, a cute show. I love Hopper. I think it's really cool. Um, I just, it's one of those for me that is not an every time attraction. My kids are still sort of like, they get like, creepy crawlies and they don't love it and and um i just i think that if it got updated or a different show entirely went in there i wouldn't be too sad okay so so i see we are bridging we are bridging discovery island and oasis together which absolutely is fine uh oh, but that's okay that's all right because i love tough to be a bug as well i i love the show i think yeah. it's a fun show uh i haven't been stabbed in the back by those bees in forever because i always lean forward <laughs> and so i want to i mean i i love I love the show itself. I, you, know, you get to walk around the tree. It does seem kind of weird, though, that that's the show that's in th- inside this majestic tree of life. You know, this beautiful tree with like 300 and something animal carvings all over the trunk and these incredible leaves and just how it lights up at night. And you go inside and there's an animatronic show, a 3D show about bugs. So it is kind of like that's a big setup for it's almost like if they were to show an Adam Sandler movie at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> it might be, it, you know what? Everybody loves 50 first dates, but really, really do you see that at Carnegie Hall? Seriously? Right, right. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I happen to like the show itself. For, so if you're, if you're talking about those two areas there, Discovery Island and Oasis together, the magical for me is I love the fact that Russell and Doug are right there at, at, on Discovery Island, and you're right there by the Tree of Life. I love those characters. Every time we meet those characters, we get something out of it. I mean, they're, they don't just... They're characters that don't just take pictures and they scoot you off to the next person. I mean, they really spend time with you. They laugh. They have fun. I love wearing my Doug shirt or my Up shirt, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they're always all about it. So even if the line's really, really long, which when you're in line, you're thinking, oh, come on, guys. Let's get this going. I got to get this line, get through this line. But when you get up there, it's, you know, Doug's hugging you and Russell's laughing and just, you know, if you have children, they're all over the children. Love that. I think that is extremely magical. And that's what characters should be. They should be all over the place, yeah. all, of, all about you as the guest. Love it. And so great, too, because they have the Wilderness Explorers program there, which I think I mean, my kids love. So when you can talk to the characters about, you know, their badges and your badges, and it's just such a perfect fit for that park right now. So that's a good one. My magical, and yes, I am, I'm definitely blending the two areas here because it is just the Tree of Life, as you've already alluded. But yes. specifically, the Tree of Life Awakens shows and vignettes that they do there now. I went to... Before Disney Vacation Club did these after hours events, they did it like one, like a one-off event. And I went and it was a disaster. Everything was closed. They ran out. I mean, it was just a bad night. And yet the Tree of Life Awakens show was new. And I remember being incredibly frustrated that I had gone down for this event and like 
literally I'd done nothing that was supposed to happen. And then I was just going to watch it as I left. And I kid you not, I stood there for almost an hour just watching the, the, different scenes take place on the tree and it was so beautiful it truly was magical like i went home thinking i just had the best night at animal kingdom it's so beautiful and it it truly just changed my mood i know it sounds cheesy but like it's such a beautiful nighttime thing and because it's not like one big nighttime extravaganza at 9 p.m it's not crowded you can always see from in front of the tree you can see and you can see the animals come to life and if you haven't seen it yet it's incredible I love what Disney has done with projections. Uh, like I'm a big fan of the castle show. The, the, like, I think I might like that better than the fireworks show itself. I love once upon a time on the castle. And so what they do, it's a tree and they're projecting things on a tree and making things come to life and making things move. And I, I, what I understand now, and I haven't seen it if they're doing it now, they're doing like a lion King projection show on the, on the tree itself. So they're kind of incorporating that into the rotation of shows that they do. Um, but that's just, it's incredible to me. And that truly is magical. Like anything like that, that I don't have any idea how they do. It's just, yeah. it blows my mind. I love well, especially, it. Because if you can picture the tree, I mean, I, you may have seen this, but if somebody hasn't, like you can picture the tree and you're looking at all the amazing animal carvings on it. And you're looking and there's like a tiger or something carved from the tree, which is obviously just a carving and you're watching it. And then he moves like yes. the tiger from the tree comes to life. And it doesn't look like they have a picture of a tiger on top of a tree. It looks like the carving comes to life. And I remember taking friends and I'm like, no, 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 just watch. I promise they come to life. And after a while, they're like, I'm pretty sure that you're seeing things until they saw it. And they had the same reaction. We're like kids again. We're just like, oh my gosh, how right. did this happen? It's incredible. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, okay, so let's take it right now. We're going to go counterclockwise around the park. We'll hit Dino Land USA next. And of course, Dino Land is the boneyard. It's the primeval world. Uh, you got the dinosaur ride itself, uh, Restaurantosaurus. We'll get to the food later, but uh, that's all there. Finding Nemo in the musical is part of Dino Land USA. And of course, the whole Chester and Hester uh, you know, area where the games and stuff like that. So I'm going to let you start. What do you, let's, talk, let's talk a little good in Dino Land USA. Um, for my family, I think the good is the boneyard, but with a couple caveats. We did not like it until my kids were older because they will run around in this playground and you will not see right. them again. You it's hard. Hope, you have to hope that the, the cast members aren't going to let them out. Um, but if you have kids old enough to, you know, come back and meet you or go together, then it's fantastic. Um, and also if it's not like a level 10 most crowded day, because then it's the worst place on earth. But if it is a reasonable day and your kids are um, able to play there a little bit more independently. It's such a cool way to like relax and stop the go, go, go theme park vacation. Well, it's, and it's cool for most parents because you have places to sit and there really is only one way out. So there's only one gate to it. So it's not like you're having to cover several different locations where they can exit. It problem is, like you said, you know, if the kids get away from you and they get to the gate and you don't see them, there's a problem. Um, and as you know, and as the audience, some of the audience knows, you know, our kids, he's on the spectrum. So when we go to the boneyard, we have to have like grandmother will sit close to the entrance. So she watches, I will take up top. My wife will take down bottom and so we basically run point and like i'm i'm on top i'm walking around the walkway scanning looking he'll go down the slide i'll point to her and i'm like he's coming and so she'll see him come i like we're literally like the secret service watching him Lovely. go back and forth and we have lost him a few times in that place because it's a it is a big place yeah, a lot of slides it's overwhelming for grown-ups who are not on yeah. the spectrum like, yep. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot anyone else it gets a lot to take in for sure well and because you know you'll go down a slide and you don't you can't see where they're coming out at yeah. so they come yeah. out that slide and you don't know which direction they ran to so you you, you know you'll run over to the other side of the walkway look around there he is where, where'd he go and you know and you're looking for like i'm looking for my wife trying to find her and she looks she's like where'd he go and i point over there and it's 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 crazy so it's yeah. it's a very stressful hour but he loves, <laughs> yeah, he loves the boneyard he loves the boneyard the good for me 
I, and I know that a lot of people don't like this. I may be in the very distinct minority. I love the Chester and Hester uh, setup there. I know it's, it's the games and stuff, and it really is. And for those people who don't know, the way the brief story basically, because just about everything at Disney World has a story, the brief story is that there was a, uh, there, there was a Dino Institute that was set up in the 50s right there. And, you know, there's a lot of roadside traffic and everything. And so these brothers, Chester and Hester, decided to build a little roadside attraction area. So they put in, like, the primeval world. They put in a little roadside attraction roller coaster thing. They put in some games and stuff. So it has a very kitschy 1950s, 60s, you know, uh, asphalt, uh, cheesy little ring toss games. There's a cheesy ride there. The decorations are kind of goofy. They have a big dinosaur there. That's kind of the setup. And a lot of people don't like it because they think it's old. They look as terrible. I love the story behind it. I do. I think it's a fun story. Uh, I think it's, I, I, I love the whole area there. And I love the whole feel of just, you feel like you're at a little small town carnival there. I, I think that's great. I, I think that's really, really good for me. Most people don't like it, but I do. Well, I actually had Chester and Hester theming as my bad, but with a paragraph after it, because I don't hate it. I think it's really cool. I think it's fun. I think the kitschiness is, I think it's whimsical and kitschy and fun, mm -hmm. but it's strange where it is. Not, not just in the park, but for me, Animal Kingdom is the one park that is so cohesive and it's not like about little lands here and there that are, you know, you have Fantasyland and Liberty Square and Adventureland that are all really different. In that case, if you're walking through a park like that and came across Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama, I think it'd be like, this is great. Right. Animal Kingdom is so realistic. And, and I guess it's still, you know, still true. Like you said, maybe I'm realistically walking on a small town carnival. But it, it, to me, it feels a little jarring in Animal Kingdom. But as a whole, I don't hate it. I don't think it's tacky. I don't think it's, I don't know. And the games are reasonably priced. So we don't dislike it. I just. Yeah. I, and I wish, I wish the games didn't cost anything. I really do. Because I feel like you paid, a, you paid a lot of money to be in Animal Kingdom. Whether you bought a one-day ticket or a 10-day ticket, you're still paying a lot of money to be in Animal Kingdom. I should not have to give you $5 to throw a ring to win a, to win a goldfish or whatever it is that you you're can lucky, win. Yeah. Yeah, if you're lucky, which those, those games are like any other games that are rigged. So um, for, for me, for bad, the one thing that I, that I immediately thought of when I thought about Animal Kingdom, Good, Bad, and Magical, the first thing that popped in mind was the ride dinosaur. Not the ride itself. I like the ride. But at the very end of it, when you're coming off and, you know, you hear the voice say, you know, back safe and sound with the one extra stowaway. And you look and see the video. There's a video of the dinosaur walking in the hallway to represent that the dinosaur came back with you because you went back in time to get him. Now he's back. The video is so terrible. It's so bad. It looks it looks awful. Um, and when they refurbished the whole ride a few years ago, they didn't, they didn't fix it. I'm like, how easy would it be to do a three second animation of a video of or a cartoon or something of a, of a dinosaur, you know, or even a still shot or something or whatever. It looks awful. And like, I really wish they would. And that's just one of those little details. I feel like they could fix pretty easy. Um, give me something more than just, just that cheesy dinosaur. The whole ride itself I know was built, um, was built around the movie Dinosaur that came out in the early 2000s, which nobody remembers the movie. Right. I've never seen the movie because uh, it was called Countdown to Extinction, and now it's called Dinosaur. And I think I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if that video was from the movie itself. It's just, it looks bad. It looks terrible. Also, the ride's terrifying. <laughs> I could see that. It, it, it's, there are some dinosaurs that are in there that are very loud. Uh, yeah. For the longest time, I would just close my eyes at the very end where that big dinosaur comes barreling down at you to scream right before you go down the final hill. So the ride itself is fine. It's not my favorite, but I enjoy the ride. You know, okay. So magical. Let's uh, let's talk a little magical in Dino Land USA. Um, I think that the Finding Nemo, the musical, is yes. magical from start to finish. Songs into a movie that didn't have them and they feel like they fit. It makes me cry every time. The interaction with the actors and the 
the way they do the puppetry is so unique. It's, you know, you describe it to somebody, it's sort of like the Lion King musical and it's sort of like, you know, a bunch of different things, but it's really not like anything where they're working the puppets with their hands and the puppets are incredibly expressive, but the actors themselves are crying when their son is gone. And the, I mean, the actors are acting. They could not have the puppets or they could not have the actors, but they have both. And it makes this unbelievable experience that we see every time. It's so good. It is weird that that's considered part of Dino Land USA. And I guess (laughs) it just happens to be where it's located. So I don't think it's anything other than that. Um, I agree with you on the Finding Nemo show. And to add to that, so I don't do the same thing. The soundtrack to the Finding Nemo show is incredible. It's one of those, like, I like the the Les Miserables highlights CD better than I do the full cast recording or any other show I've ever seen. I love the highlight CD. Same thing with the soundtrack. I love all the voices on there. I love all the actors. I love all the songs. Uh, Just Keep Swimming is one of my favorite Disney songs of all time across all boobies, parks, spectrum, and everything. Um, and I will I will quote that around my house. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills, life is full of little thrills. Don't throw your hands up in disgust. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills, life's full of little spills. Don't throw your fins up in disgust. Oh, what's the use of floating there, not going anywhere? Swish your tail and dive on in and trust. You know, just, I love it. I love that whole song. So if anybody has never seen the Finding Nemo show, I encourage you to see it at the parks, but if you can't get there, uh, go on YouTube and fo- you'll see the whole thing on YouTube. It's right there. It's, it's incredible. Love it. It's so neat. All right. So we're going to walk over to Asia now. In Asia, you're going to find the Up Great Bird Adventure. The Jungle Treks are there. The Maharaja Jungle Trek. Exhibition Everest, of course, the Big Mountain. Kali River Rapids. The Rivers of Light is considered part of the Asia uh, as well. Uh, the Yak and Yeti is over there. Uh, that's the restaurants and stuff. We'll get the food later. But for me, for good, of course, I love Everest. I do. I, I think Everest is a great ride. I think it's very detailed. I think it's fun. It's a smooth coaster, so it's not jarring and it's not painful like Primeval World is in Dino Land USA. Uh, it's not rickety and shaky like Space Mountain would be in Magic Kingdom. Uh, and I think it's so well-themed. And what I love about it, too, is it's not based on any intellectual property. It's an original story that Disney has told, which I feel like Disney has gotten away from extensively. They told an original story by building a mountain and putting a Bigfoot in there and coming up with this whole Jungle Trek thing and this whole Everest Legend of the Forbidden Mountain story. I love it. I, I think it's a great ride. I actually, I will I'll go a little out of order because I had that as my magical because of the storytelling piece of it and the ability, the ability for the ride to seem faster than it is. But when when you really dig in and see the queue of that ride and the temple outside that lines up with the map, I mean, all of the storytelling of Asia, but then specifically the backstory of this, this mountain climbing expedition that you're going on. I, I too, I think that is something that's so special that we don't see very often anymore that they come and take a brand new story. It doesn't have any IP and it's still super popular and a great ride. Um, yeah. So I think that the storytelling part of it was magical. Um, but I really could have switched my magical or good. My good was the Flights of Wonder show previously. Now, yes. I have not yeah. seen Up show. That's why I, Flights of Wonder would have been magical to me because as cheesy as it was, I loved that show. I knew every part of it. I knew what the birds were going to do. I knew the jokes, but it was still so, I don't know, it was just really, really interesting. I've not seen it with the Up characters. I will probably like it more, but I couldn't really make it magical without knowing <laughs> I, I I agree with you on the Flights of Wonder, and I missed that show. Uh, I, I remember seeing it 
I know I saw it on my honeymoon in 2004 and I was one of the first people they put on stage. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, I had to have a camera in my hand yep. and they put a, they put a condor like at the back of the auditorium and I had to take a picture of the bird flying at me, flying over my, and I couldn't get it. Like it was so fast so yeah. and loved the show. Uh, for me, the bad is the fact they took out flights of wonder. I like the up bird adventure. Okay. It's Russell and Doug is out there. I feel like they had a great show and they, for some reason decided, Hey, let's fix a show. That's not broken by putting in characters. People know, and it does. It, it, the show is affected a little bit by it. It, it. It's not a bad show, but I think for people who've never seen flights of wonder, if you like great bird adventure, you would have loved flights of wonder. Uh, so for me, I, I, it's, it's one of those, there's no reason to fix it. And they fixed it anyway with new characters. And for me, that was bad because you didn't have to fix it. It was a great show that just should have been left alone. So that was and me. It's characters that you love, but it, it, that's what I, my fear was as well, like that it just would be kind of shoehorned and wouldn't necessarily feel like a great show that it was. So you said that's your bad? Yeah, that's the bad. And for me, the magical is, uh, I mean, the whole area, I love Asia as, as a whole. Uh, I do love the Jungle Trek. I love walking through the Jungle Trek. I think it's, there is a, there's a sense of magic there because you're walking and you're completely immersed in Asia. You're completely immersed in that whole thing. You're walking on the sidewalk. You see the animals and stuff. And, and I know it is just a walking trail where you see animals and things, but there is something to me magical about that whole little area there because it is just, it's so special. You don't have that in other parks. You, I mean, you can't have that realistically in other parks to have that kind of experience. You know, you see the gorillas and you see the tigers and you see the, the animals that you don't get to see on the safari, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that whole trek area there is just, it's magical to me. And I believe the monkey setup is there as well. The big monkey cage as you walk by. Uh, walking down from Everest and stuff. And I, I just, I think what Disney has done with that, and I know they had a rough start with Animal Kingdom when it first opened. What they managed to do in the last 20 years or so is it's just magical with the animals there. Yeah. Yeah, my bad was Disco Yeti because I did get to ride. Yes. I did get to ride Everest when he worked, and it was amazing. Yep, yep. And now it's less amazing. My kids are were afraid of the Yeti, but they usually don't see it. They usually yeah. don't <laughs> notice it, and um, that makes me really sad. And I understand all of the whatever structural or how much difficulty it would be to fix it, but it's very sad. However, it's almost worth it because if you follow Joe Rody on Twitter or or Instagram, people will like kind of make comments about it and he has some very fabulous responses to it because he knows he knows that it was amazing and now it's right like, love i was there too i remember the yeti swinging his paw at me as i went under the under the tracks and then it stopped working and and so um and you probably know the same thing but for the listening audience i i actually had lunch with an imagineer and not just saying just me it was a group of us we had lunch with an engineer some years ago and somebody asked him specifically about the yeti and he what he said was that in order to fix the Yeti, they'd have to remove half the mountain because it's three separate structures, the mountain, the track, the Yeti, not connected in any way. But you'd have to move half the mountain to get to the Yeti to fix him, and you have to shut that ride down for a long time. Yeah, and they just don't want to do that because it's too yeah. good of a ride. Understandable, but very sad. Yeah, very sad. So let's walk over to Africa now. And over in Africa, of course, we have the Festival of the Lion King, the Kilimanjaro Safaris, the Rafiki's Planet Watch. We could talk a little bit about that too. That's all over there as well. And of course, you also have the Gorilla Falls Exploration Trail, where you have the gorillas, hippos, and exotic birds to that trail as you're coming off the safari. Uh, so, so for you, uh, let's talk a little bit of good, good in Africa. So if you love Asia, as much as you said, Africa is my, like, that's my place that I love to be. So for me, it was hard to choose everything about Harambe and that whole area is what makes animal kingdom feel like animal kingdom to me. So, um, my, again, my good and my magical, I have a hard time uh, distinguishing. <laughs> it's okay. So go with good is the safari, which is actually great and magical and wonderful. And there's nothing like it anywhere. Um, my favorite part about it is 
that it's never the same because it's yeah. truly the animals. You can't program them. You can't, you know, Walt wanted animals on the jungle cruise, but they were like, but they're unpredictable. You can't have animals in a theme park. And so they built animal kingdom and they have this great ride that's built around animals being unpredictable. And when you ride it at night now, they have different behaviors. And um, I, I think that it's, that's my favorite part about it is that it's, Literally, you could ride it a hundred times in the same vacation if you could squeeze it in, and it would never be the same. You'd see different things every time. So. Yeah, I, and I, I completely agree with that because I've had I've had safaris where the rhino has been standing in the road, and we, the whole ride stops for like twenty minutes yeah. because they can't get out and move the rhinos. He's yeah. Um, the last time I rode it uh, was in I think March. Giraffes were like literally five feet from my face. I mean, they were right there and there's so uh, many baby giraffes yeah exactly and, and i've been before where the giraffes were at least like 50 yards away you barely saw them and this time and somebody there was like a family in front of me and i heard one of them say you know i've never seen a giraffe before they were from new york or wherever never seen a giraffe before and the giraffe they were taking like a thousand pictures because the giraffe was right there in the face just chewing its grass just looking at us and it was it. it was really cool because when do you get to experience that you don't and it's just right. it, it was really really neat so uh, and for me and and I'll, i'll agree with you i'll throw all that on it's, it's, it, you get a different ride every time because they used to have this storyline where there was poachers and yeah. you know we're trying to simba one simba one we are trying to rescue the poacher it just it's i'm glad all that's gone and i'm good with that when you, it is it kind of reminds me of the jungle cruise that your ride quality is really based on not just what you see but also the quality of your cast member yeah. because i've had some cast members that are kind of boring and they're just kind of like hey look there's a gazelle hey look there's a whatever and other times they're telling stories and they're kind of like getting in depth in animals and stuff and and so that can be that can be good and bad but i i, I do love the safari so for you improvement wise bad anything come to mind Right now, I've written literally nothing. I thought I'd come back to <laughs> I, the line for this, no, on a over-under thing. I don't know. Um, no, I truly, I know I'm just such a shell for this, but I, I love it. <laughs> There's nothing it's I okay. can- It's all right. Yeah, all like right. literally nothing. I, I honestly don't know that I have a bad either. I didn't write anything down. I'm kind of flying off, flying off the top of my head here, just thinking about all the things that are there. I'm not a fan of Rivers of Light. I will say that. It's not my favorite show. I, I feel like they could have done more with the show itself. That's not to say it's a bad show. And I don't even want to put that into the bad category. It's just not my show. And I feel like there's probably, there was potential to do more with the show than they've done. Because really, all the other shows kind of tell a story, and this one just has beautiful flowers and beautiful yeah. lights on rafts that kind of float out. Hey, look how beautiful they are. The music is playing, and that's it. I think they're putting characters into the show. I don't know if they're going to be on the boats or as part of the show. I don't know. Um, some of it's on the water. If the breeze is blowing, then the, the visuals don't look very good. They could have done more with this show, I think, than they've done. So yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought about that in this category. Yes, that's for sure. I think that you hit it exactly on the head. Like, there's no – it's really pretty, especially the the flowers that light up and open up and the fountain. It's gorgeous, but I don't know what's happening because basically yeah. it's happening. It's just pretty. It would be amazing if you just could walk around that that body of water at night and see those things happening. That would be very – I think that would be one of those breathtaking things that you write home about. You're like, oh, my gosh, we were right. walking by and this great thing happened. But when you have to wait in line or get a fast pass and sit there and your kids are tired and you're watching and then you're like, wait, that's it? Like, I don't know what just happened. It does feel like they yeah, just- Yeah, because it's only like 15 covered. minutes. It's only like 15 minutes long. It's not a very long show. Yeah, I, I would so not long. wait in line for that show. I think that sometimes I will get the passes for it when I do, when I do dining for clients. I'll get the, you know, the, the special seating with passes with breakfast or whatever. We'll do that. But otherwise, that's how clients, if you see the show, that's awesome. If yeah. you're tired at five o'clock, don't feel like you have to see the show. You're not like Illuminations, go see Illuminations. Rivers of Light, eh, eh, depends, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. okay. So let's go to the magical. And for me, uh, this is going to be kind of more, more planning wise. But I love the fact that there's so much of the park 
so much that's good in Animal Kingdom right there in that corner. You got the you got the Tusker House, you've got which is a restaurant. You've got the um, Lion King show right there. You've got the safari right there. And when you're doing fast passes, by the way, because there's only a, like a maybe a fifty hundred yard walk walk down over to uh, Pandora, doing a fast pass for something in Pandora, and then getting the Lion King show and getting the safari at the, with the Tusker House breakfast. That is a perfect Animal Kingdom Kingdom morning because you're all in one little area of the park for the whole part of that time. You're not having to crisscross the park. You get a lot of stuff done right there and i think that is brilliant what they did harambe market's also in that area too where you can get some lunch and stuff like that i i I think that whole area is magical just the way it's set up for traffic flow and for how everything is so close to each other that's good yeah well and the festival of lion king was my magical one i have seen that show i'm pretty sure every time since i've been to the park and it's not changed at all but it is it's really really beautiful and it never seems to get old even though it seems like it it might. It hasn't yet gotten old for me. And I think it's really, I love that there's, you know, former Olympic gymnasts and ballerinas and characters and beautiful vocalists. And it just, it's, it's such a cool show. Um, especially if someone hasn't seen it, it's, it's gotta be a must see. Now, maybe not everyone wants to see it every time, but it's such a spectacular show that I think it's definitely worth either getting a fast pass for or waiting around for. Yeah. And it's got tumble monkeys. How yes. could you go wrong with tumble monkeys? Everybody wants tumble monkeys Actually, in their life. The tumble monkeys. So, you know, they come out, those guys in like the ninja gear, not really the stage hands or whatever they come right. out, check all the, and the, and the tumble monkeys check all of their apparatus. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I'm like doing motions. Like you can see me. They checked it one time we saw it and something must've been wrong because they did the song, but they basically just interacted with one another without doing any gymnastics. And it was, sad but it was incredible how well they handled it and they stayed in character and they were still funny so it was really neat to see when something doesn't go wrong because you know if you if you do any theater or dance or music you know that you know the show must go on you have to continue yes. like nothing's yep. wrong. to see them do that in such a professional way was was kind of fun like i was disappointed but it was a unique experience there so having done 380 episodes of the deuce cast movie show i can tell you that when something goes wrong you just keep rolling with it because who cares you just do it that happens a lot all right so we're going to walk down from africa on that walkway that i talked about which is a fairly new walkway they opened it up when they opened pandora because before you go to a festival of the lion king you're stuck there's a corner there you got to come back it's very congested now there's a walkway over down to pandora and of course we'll talk about pandora now where the navi river journey the avatar flight of passage is all down there uh and of course you've got the wind traders you've got the, the shop the whole atmosphere and stuff so uh let's talk good bad magical for for you the good of pandora well first i'm gonna say and you can't kick me off if you have technical difficulties right now i'm not gonna believe you mm-hmm. i don't love pandora i wanted to i wanted to <sighs> you're not, i'm sorry you're breaking up here <laughs> what? <laughs> what 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 <laughs> yeah bye nice knowing you no seriously at dave dollar um no but it's <laughs> it's, it's great it's cool and there's some really amazing things but i just the way it was built up and how freaking long it took to build it yes. and how much they talked about the bioluminescence at night. And, and then I heard people riding flight of passage and weeping because they felt like they were really flying. And I think it's just the timing of it. Like I, I went a little bit later than a lot of people. And so I heard a lot of great things. My expectations were really high. Um, we had actually had the opportunity to ride pirates in Shanghai, which is a very similar, like quote unquote screen based, but in a way that you really feel like you're the entire world is moving. And so I just, I think I had these expectations and it was like, good. It's great. So flight of passage, people are really going to be shocked. That's only my good because right. it's very good. And I especially love like this. There's a smell that's associated with it that I think is yes. really, that's bizarre if you haven't ridden it, but um, it's a very, very, very cool ride, but that's just my good for now. So you can talk more about it because it's probably at least good or magical for you. Well, it's, it's good for me. Um, the whole area itself is good. I, and I, I agree with you to a point that 
when I walked in, I know people were blown away by it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful the way it's set up. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm openly weeping of how majestic this is. No, it's cool. I mean, I look at it, I'm like, well, that's really cool. It's the floating mountains. Right. The yeah, floating yeah. mountains really aren't floating because you yes. can see there's a section there holding them in place, which is awesome because that's a, that's a big apparatus up in the air. That's awesome. Right. Uh, but the whole area itself, I think, is, I think it's great. You know, you, it is one of those, you, you crest the hill when you're coming up from, uh, from Discovery Island and you kind of walk into the Pandora area and all of a sudden there is the mountain. It is kind of that reveal as you round the corner and there you mm-hmm. see it. And if you've never seen it, it's very impressive. Absolutely. The mountains you know, especially are impressive. And so I love the two, I love the rides itself. I mean, I, I love the land itself. I'm not crazy, crazy about it. I do love it uh, quite a bit. Like I do the rest of Animal Kingdom, but I, I can see your point itself. I'm not going to cut you off because you're like, <laughs> I hate Pandora. Pandora stinks. It's awful. You know, so, uh, for, well, and that, I, I would say that's good for me. For, for the bad, I feel like they could have done more with Navi. Navi River Journey is, it's cool. But again, it's really not a whole lot of story. It's more of a, hey, look, you're on Pandora. Look at all these cool lights and all these cool animals that are running around. And of course, you have this very cool talking animatronic at the end, not talking, but moving animatronic at the end, very advanced, you know, a lot of points of articulation. But then the ride's over and you're like, what did I just do? It's almost like I rode pirates, but there were no pirates and no songs. It was just some really cool mystical music and some cool like visual lights and black lights and stuff. And so it's kind of a, boring ride that i think you should see once to say that you've done it and if you don't go back that's okay <laughs> so. i'll say to that point and kind of on your uh, go down like the planning route i think that if somehow they could have made it to where you waited however many hours to ride flight of passage and you and navi journey was like a navi river journey was like a pre-ride to it right as that as is a function of like setting you up for this trip to um Pandora, like to get there and see these creatures that you're also going to see when you ride Flight of Passage. I tell you what, I had so many people that rode Flight of Passage, then waited two hours for Navi River Journey, and they were like, what did I just do with my time? Exactly. But if you do it right, and there's not a lot, I feel like if they could have made it almost one experience, and you waited a ton of hours for both of these things, one leading into the other, then it's, it's really cool. I, I never thought about that, but that would have been really cool. Like, like, itself, yeah, it is a little underwhelming, except for that, except for the, the animatronic at the end. Well, and even then it's just moving, kind of chanting a little bit. It's not right. like an interaction with anybody. And, right. and I'm not, I'm not, not talking down the impressive of, of it because audio animatronics are incredibly complex right. and it looks really cool. It's just, that's it. That's the whole thing on the ride. The other thing I don't like about Pandora since we're on the subjects, the bioluminescence at night, Yes. Really does not impress me because it's like oh, it looks like glow in the dark paints. It, that's exactly what it is. It's and black I, paint that you know, <laughs> and I feel like it's it's when I was in Boy Scouts, we would actually do this thing where we would like splatter paint and you put paint on a brush and smack it against the table and the paint would go flying across your, your canvas. And I kind of feel like that's what they did. They walked around the floor and they just they just they flung the brushes into different parts of the floor, you know, and it's just it's it's and not I, impressive. So. Yeah, as simple as the lights at Epcot as you're leaving yep. Epcot, the lights in the sidewalk. And maybe that's too modern and not organic looking. But don't tell me that if you could 25 years ago, 35 years ago, you couldn't do something with actual lights that looked like looked natural but were really impressive. I The paint is actually one of the things that turns me off of the land so much. I'm like, you could have done so well, much with this. And when they did, when they did, when they first announced it, like in 2000 two or whatever i don't know it's been like 20 years since they built it but it's like when they when they talked about it it gave the impression and i'm sure that i misheard them but it gave the impression that like like the movie uh, avatar 
when you walk on the ground at Pandora, it lights up, you know, yeah. and they kind of gave that impression, like as people walk through the ground will light up. And it, I was like, right. oh, that's yeah. really cool. I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, now it's just paint. And yeah. some of the paints actually starting to fade. There are spots where you can see where like the, the bioluminescence is really faded. It's sort of there, but not really. And you can tell like it's just been faded out. If that went away, that would be fine with me. I, I don't know that it will I, yeah. you know, leave the stuff on the plants and the, and the surroundings, but the ground is fine. I mean, it's, I don't need that. Yeah, so. that's kind of like that as well, that they built it up in such a way. And it's probably, to some extent, um, they're like their own worst enemy because I believed that Imagineering could do everything they said they could do, right? right. Like, they tell you this and you're like, you're going to make this exactly like it is in my head because they do most of the time. The things that they can come up with are incredible. And the floating mountains are unreal. And so you think, wow, this is really going to be exactly like you're describing it. And then you walk in and you're like, I did you run out of money or time? Like, so it was, which makes me so sad because I love the park, but that was such a letdown. And maybe it was just the buildup that it took so long to build. And yeah. the more we talked about it, the more incredibly um, advanced and innovative it was supposed to be that I'm like, Oh, it's pretty. <laughs> well, and uh, the magical for me, and I know you said this earlier uh, for you is probably not as much, but I love flight of passage. I think Flight of Passage is an amazing ride. Uh, caveat to that is when I'm on when I'm on the Banshee, when I'm on the little, it looks like a motorbike you're on basically. It I have never like I don't feel as if I'm on Pandora. Like I am cognizant of the fact I am staring at a screen through 3D glasses. I mean, if you look a little bit to your left or to your right, you see other sections of riders. So it's not as if they're even trying to hide that. But the ride itself is just, I, I think it's a great ride. I think it's relaxing. I think it's beautiful. Uh, my kid loves the crap out of this ride. I mean, just watching him as is, is, is a ride itself, just the laughs and the smiles and the giggles that's blowing in the face or whatever. But I think it's so well done. It's just it the visuals really are so beautiful. truly feel so. like, especially when you dive down into like, it's, that's, it's really well done. And, and you've, got the, uh, you've got the things under your legs that are kind of moving back and forth like you're, you're breathing. And I do like the fact that they set it up where you're not on a banshee, yeah. you're almost like on a simulator of a banshee that's like you know 100 miles away well so, it kind of gives you that out right like yes right. you see people next to you but it's because you're connected to this avatar right. you're not right. really want you're the, you're not the only person flying on these things right now and a little tip for people and i tell people this too especially if you can rope drop flight of passage you can get on and off that ride in less than an hour so please i know people are like i can't do flight of passage because every time i get there the park opening the, the wait is 105 minutes they will post 100 minutes at park opening because it's going to be that about like 30 minutes. But the tip for, for Flight of Passage, for anybody who's listening, you get there, you go straight to it, follow the crowd. Don't be confused by the crowd. Don't be scared by the crowd. Just go with the crowd. The ride has to fill up. And there are at least, what, 15, 16 to 20 like bays of, of cars or banshees or whatever to be on. So all that has to fill up. The queue has to fill up. So you're going to continually walk and walk and walk and walk until you get to the ride itself. So you get there park opening or beforehand. Don't be intimidated because you're going to keep walking until you're almost on the ride. Your wait's not going to be that long. Don't come back at 10 a.m. to expect that, but yeah. I've not seen the actual queue, but I've heard it's really, really Yeah, cool. I, I saw it once. The first time I was ever on the ride, I saw it once, and it looks pretty cool, but other, all the other times, I either rope drop it or, or uh, fast pass it because I will never wait two hours. I'll never wait an, over an hour for that ride because I've done it so many times now. It doesn't. It's not necessary for me to wait an hour for it. If I miss it, I miss it. I do love, and first of all, I think that you're absolutely right about Flight of Passage. I, I guess it's kind of like you'll never have your first ride on that again, right? Like, And it's so different the first time, and so to hear everyone talking about that once you experience it again though it's still incredible it's a beautiful ride and it's very fun um my 
magical is just the idea of them doing a land that's fully immersive like this, whether or not we thought it was 100% on point or not. I remember having a friend go to um, Wizarding World of Harry Potter at the other place when it opened and they went to Disney World and they came back home and they were like, you know, both are fun, but Universal just has so much better detail. And I was like, what? what? Right, right. Like, I don't understand what you're talking about because that's never been the case. Like it's felt like our local theme park. And then I went to Wizarding World. And if you've been like, you know, I know this is a Disney podcast, but Dave, you can help play Universal. Yes. Too. Well, um, it's, it's magic on a dollar, not Disney on a dollar. So we do talk Harry Potter sometimes. Yeah, perfect. Yes. So there you go. Oh, that's, yeah, you've done, you definitely did Harry yeah, Potter. I have, I have. No, it's an incredible, um, both, both parts of the Wizarding World are just unbelievably immersive and they're so well done and disney hadn't really done anything like that before so once i realized that i'm like oh he was totally right but then pandora opens and whether it's 100 percent or not like it is they don't have disney bags in the shops because you are on a different planet you are not in walt disney world you're not an animal kingdom on earth you are the fast pass things don't have mickey's head because what's mickey mouse like it is so cool that they did this Thing, that they'd started doing this totally immersive land. And now with Galaxy's Edge opening up and the pictures we're seeing from it and the videos right. we're seeing from it, I love that these two parks and technology that we have are able to like open these doors to making. Now, I, I'm actually with you. I think there should be a lot of um, rides that come out that are not based on intellectual property. But if you're going to do an IP-based attraction or land, that this definitely kicked off a really cool way of doing it. You know, I, and I have no problem with IP property or IP stuff. I have no problem with that whatsoever because you have to do some of that. I know one of the big things on, online now is Bob Chapik, Bob number two at Disney World, or Disney, the Disney company has come out and said, you know, we have to do IP property stuff because, uh, you know, all the other competitions doing it, they would be doing the same thing. IP, of course, being intellectual, like you said, intellectual property, that's branding stuff, Pixar rides and Harry Potter rides and Avatar rides based on a property that already exists. I wish they would do original stuff as well also, for, for yeah. every, for every Pixar pier, give me an Everest for every, you know, for every, whatever, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster, give me a test track, give me something else with an original story behind it. Even if you do something like a test track where you're basing it on, you know, GM cars or whatever, that's fine. But give me original stories as well as the IP. Yeah, cool. Don't Absolutely. just totally immersive lands and then lands mm -hmm. that are sort of like um, hodgepodge like that, yes. that's a little different to where dino land fits in fine so now could it be and i just thought of this so this is on the cuff here but but could it be that universal's harry potter is kind of the reason we have the immersive star wars land because yeah. harry potter bumped up disney's game so much they sat back they were resting on their laurels okay things are fine harry potter comes out massive success and Disney's like, oh crap. And then when I saw it, I'm like, oh no, 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 they just they just beat Disney in that one. They just did it first. They did and I, it back. And I don't know who said that who told the story. And I and I want to say it was somebody very credible. So I believe this story that Disney Imagineers went to Harry Potter, the Harry Potter universe, the, the Resident World, saw the immersiveness over there, came back and scrapped most of the plans they had for Animal Kingdom and started over. Like, we've got to redo this whole thing. I, I've heard that story in multiple places, and I completely believe it because you know, how immersive Harry Potter is. So, and it was so new. Yeah. So I, I love that. I think it's so great. The more universal succeeds, the better Disney is going to be too. So yes, I love it. It, 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 it reminds me of, um, and you'll understand this completely, Jennifer, but it reminds me of the nineties, the Monday night wars between WWE and WCW because WWE was the big, big wrestling block on the block, big guys on the block of the wrestling. WCW was like this upstart company had been around for a while and they came out and suddenly they started winning the ratings wars because of the things they were doing. It made WWE up its game. That's when they introduced Stone Cold Steve Austin. They introduced the 
Rock, Mick Foley, people like that. You know, and suddenly they take back over. But you know, I know exactly. You were talking about you were talking about this last time I talked to you about you know the Monday Night Wars and Disney and Universal. So I was just bringing up the idea that you already had, you had already mentioned. Yes, yes. No, I was about yeah. a decade later to right. Anything <laughs> so, all right, so let's talk a little bit about food as we wind this thing down for for Animal Kingdom, and we'll kind of break it up a little bit, kind of snacks and counter service and stuff, and then we can do maybe maybe like a table service and everything. But um, just real quick, good, good magic, magical uh, for me. The good for me is I love the counter services at uh, at Animal Kingdom. The good is going to be that blueberry mousse cake in the Satuli Cafe in Animal Kingdom. It's a blueberry mousse little little disc, whatever. It's got the little little thing on top, a little candy on top. It is so good. I I love Satuli Cafe. It's and it's got a lot of food that are there that I don't normally eat, but I love the food that's there and I love that blueberry mousse. And I want to have one like right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I have not had that. I need oh, it's so good. And so I delicious. I'm pulling up menus because I'm like, oh, I didn't go with actual foods. Now I can't. Well, you them. don't have to go with actual foods themselves, just overall. <laughs> but I happen, that happened to be my good because my yeah, magical yeah. is. Well, if it was at Epcot, I would be able to have any category you wanted. Like, but no, I didn't think about the specific foods. I was thinking the good, I was going mostly restaurant based. And Tusker House was mm-hmm. Kyle's favorite, I'm sorry, Jude Kaufman's favorite restaurant on Walt Disney World property. And it was so good. We have not been to any of the character meals there. So I'm a little leery now that they've added characters. If if the menu changed at all, because it used to be really, really like accessible. You mean, do you mean Tusker House? Yeah, Tusker House. How long has it been since you've been there? Because they've had characters there at least 12, Probably. 13, 14 years. It's been a long time they haven't had characters there. Um, no, I mean, when we used to go, like when we used to go after, so probably 2005 until okay. at least, at least lunch and dinner didn't, maybe they had breakfast. Oh, was Donald's breakfast there maybe? Yes. It's Donald's breakfast okay. is what it's called. Okay. I think they have like characters every meal now. I'm not yes, sure. Yes. You're right. Before they had, they didn't have characters. I don't think for dinner. And then they added yeah, those on so later. We definitely never. We went in the last <laughs> probably four years, but right. um, yeah, uh, no. So I don't know if the menu is still the same, then it's still probably just as lovely, but it also got more expensive and more crowded and yes, it's, it was a hidden gem for a while. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. It, my wife, Stephanie, uh, is, it's, it's her favorite character meal. She loves Tusker House, and I, love, I, I personally love it, too. I think I love the menu. I love they have American foods, and they have African-based foods as well. So if you're a little leery about, like, I don't know if I want this, that, or, or I don't, there's things I can't pronounce, yeah. you can still get Mickey Waffles. You can still get pancakes. You can still get Roast Beast that they carve up there for at the carving station. Uh, and the characters are fantastic, too. So it's, yeah. well, it's have to get a good place to go. It's just harder so, to get into now. Yeah, it is harder to get into. For me, the, the, the bad is probably – I'm not a fan of Yak and Yeti. I know so many people that love Yak and Yeti. I don't like it because I don't like that kind of food. Um, so people are like, do you, love, do you go to Yak and Yeti? Should we go there? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't. My wife loves it. I don't care for it. Do you, you decide? Counter service or <laughs> oh, well, I'm actually, both? just overall, a counter service or okay. a regular. It's just not, just not my the kind of The counter service, if you do like, you know, just your Chinese food box of rice and meat, like it is a really good value because as is true of all of them, they, the containers hold a lot more food than you think so of course. Um, it's good value but it's yeah i mean i could take it or leave it my bad is pizza fari because it's mm. cute but it's not even great pizza and there's so many other great i mean flame tree barbecue is right there that is flame tree is my magical by the way you can flame tree is one of the from right there so yeah. to go into pizza fari when you could smell flame tree yes and why it's still 
just what it is, but it's cute. It's a cute restaurant. Yeah. Flame Tree is, Flame Tree is magical to me because it's a good value. Your portions are fantastic. They're, they're massive. It's a lot of food. So you can even split a plate. You know, the, the area there is right there by the water. So if it's a nice day, even if it's a hot, hot day, there's shade there. So you can sit there and eat under the shade. Uh, it's, it, you, know, you see Everest in the distance and such. Um, the food is fantastic. I don't even like, I don't like barbecue beans that much, but the beans are good. Uh, the rotisserie chicken is great. I, I, I do. I'm a big fan of Flame Tree Barbecue. Me too. It's really good. The barbecue sauce, it's like almost a taco, but I don't know. It's, it's totally unique, but it's really, really delicious. My magical is, and I, I don't know, it's kind of on the food, the food category. Um, I, I love the Harambe market. I think that it's um, just the variety that they have there, but also the theming. Like if I love Harambe and I talk about it as much as I do with Animal Kingdom, the market is just an extension of it. And you have like signs put on the plaster walls that are talking about the hotel that you can stay in in Harambe. And there's funny, there's like Wi-Fi signs that are sort of tongue in cheek and there's like graffiti Mickey Mouse that looks, it, it's not a good Mickey. It looks exactly like it would look if, you know, a Disney artist didn't draw it, but somebody just painted it on the side of a, of right. a restaurant in yes. Asia somewhere or in Africa somewhere. Um, I think that's such a cool place. And they have a lot of great options too. So if there already weren't enough counter service at Animal Kingdom, which I think there are, you can go to this one place sort of in a food court setting and have, you know, more options and plenty of seating and see the train go by if it's running. And um, I think that whole area and the variety of food there is so, so great. It's, it, well, it's, it's cool because it's almost like, it's, all, it's like you're walking into a food truck courtyard without yeah. the food trucks themselves. Yeah, like they just have this, like you said, variety of food. You just go pick one and, you know, have a seat there in the little courtyard. It's, it's fantastic. So, so that's a, I mean, I know we kind of combined our, our restaurants. We were going to separate it and we kind of talked about them all together. Anything else on the food there you want to throw in that, that we missed? Um, I think that I might be wrong, but anecdotally, I feel like Animal Kingdom food, like the counter service and the like the snacks change more than anywhere else. Like I feel like you see these amazing cupcakes with zebras on top of them at a bakery that I thought just sold coffee. Um, and then you have a Dole Whip with rum in it when Dole Whips used to only be one place and right. you know, shakes. And I think that you kind of have to really this isn't really a good, bad, or magical. It's kind of just like a scavenger hunt. It's an assignment. You have to like really look for some of the really unique options to eat in Animal Kingdom, which I think is it's kind of fun. It actually is more realistic, I think. You know, we're walking around New York City, you have to find the little sandwich shop. And so you're walking around Anandapur and you got to figure out who has the best food truck. Well, I am on record as saying that I think the Dole Whip should only be sold at Aloha Isle and Magic Kingdom and in Polynesian. That's yeah, it. I, it should I, not be anywhere else. I love them, but I agree. <laughs> yeah, but that's it should be an exclusive thing. Like if you want Dole Whip, you got to work for it. Go there and get it. Um, the other thing I'll throw in there is I think that Rain, Rainforest Cafe, I'm, I'm not a fan of the Rainforest Cafe itself. I don't really like the food very much. I think it's very average, but I love the Rainforest Cafe at Animal Kingdom because it serves a, it serves a great purpose. It's right there in the front of the park you don't even have to go into the park to enjoy it it's basic food if you're like if you're very picky and you're like i, I don't i don't want to go eat and, at yak and yeti and i'm afraid to go i don't want to spend the money for tusker house and i don't know if i like barbecue you know what you can get average regular good old-fashioned standard food at rainforest cafe you know it, and it's not hard to get reservations for it's right. rarely sold out rarely sold out cards for like whatever yep. whatever restaurant group I think that it's is. landry's i think maybe yeah, 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 um which right. they also do t-rex cafe and they also do uh, a yeah. rainforest and disney springs restaurant so it really is I, I actually had a comment on that as well like i if it were inside the park i don't think i'd like it but because right. it's right on the edge i feel like it's a nice blend of like the real world and the animal yep. kingdom it's straddling it just right so well yeah. and it's a good place to co kind of relax too because yeah. you know you've been in the park you're busy it's all day you've done flight of passage and you've done safari and it's one in the afternoon you're hot walk to the front Walk to the front of the park, take a break, 
Look at eat rainforest, get away yeah. from, like you said, get away from everything and then go back to the park and yep. enjoy the rest of your day. It's so. really well there. I love it. So any other good, bad, magical as an overall, as a whole for the park itself uh, that you want to throw in there that we didn't mention? Um, not so much the park, but park adjacent. If you haven't been to the Animal Kingdom Lodge, it's, oh, awesome. it's beautiful. The entire world, <laughs> you can sensing a theme because <laughs> yes. the theming of Animal Kingdom and the cultural um, art and the ambassadors from other countries and the music and the color scheme, everything just carries over into like an even more kind of majestic but also intimate place so especially if you have a car or if you want to take the bus over it's not walkable but it's also not so far away like everyone thinks it is and it's right. definitely worth going and you can see animals without going into the park too right and it's beautiful it's uh I, the, my the only thing i don't like about animal kingdom lodge there is a hidden mickey as you walk out the back of the lobby as you're heading towards either mara which is the counter service or the pools are out there and such mm -hmm. Up on the right side, apparently in the ivy, there's a hidden Mickey somewhere. And I've heard it talked about. I've seen it in the books and things like that. I can't find that stupid hidden Mickey. Huh. I cannot tell you how long I have stood there That's staring right. at that ivy. I need somebody – I need a cast member who knows to go My walk out there really with a laser pointer. I need your daughter to walk out with a laser oh. pointer and say, right there, stupid. It's right there. So, <laughs> and then you'll never unsee it, right? No, I'll never unsee it. Well, there's also one in the, at the end of the tunnel in Jungle Cruise that I just saw for the first time. Like after, you know, 50 times I read in the Jungle Cruise, I just saw it for the first time last time I wrote it. I was like, oh, it's right there. It's right there. And, you know, On I didn't your have Hidden Mickey's episode, you'll have to have me back because I'm inviting myself because I just found out on a tour that there, and I saw there's a hidden Oswald in the seven doors mine train there's a hidden steamboat willy like this giant thing in the rock where right. little mermaid like there's a Minnie mouse rattle on seven doors mine train there's mm -hmm. all these like things that are not in books as far as i know so right I, I know. we will do we will do top five hidden mickeys and we'll have you on for that particular show and we'll talk about our favorites because i have my favorite hidden mickeys um past and present we'll definitely talk about those but uh but yeah animal kingdom it's been a delight talking to you about animal kingdom this has been fantastic it's a lot of fun Thank you for that. Yeah, like it's my one of my favorite places. So thank you for leaving it for me. So where would somebody go on social media if they wanted to find out about your delightful life? <laughs> um, <laughs> on the newscast, it's like a, a canned response at this point. But maybe uh, there that, are real listeners. Yes. Only on Twitter. I had a podcast. Dave makes fun of me because I don't anymore. I did a whole like 30-something episodes. Uh, I have a blog, which used to be successful, and it could be if I ever did it anymore. Um, I do enjoy writing. That's at delightful.life. But mostly um, when I'm not corralling my three children or traveling i'm on twitter at jn kaufman yes follow jn kaufman on twitter she always posts a lot of some of her writing some other disney stuff as well you know she'll post a lot of that stuff and you know articles that she's written other people have written things like that so she's it's a it's a good follow it's worth it to see the pictures of all the places that you wish you could go to but you can't you live vicariously through Jennifer Coffin and her husband, and Duke Coffin. Yes, we like that too, which is a lot of fun. So, <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us, and we will You're talk right. to you soon. Thank you. Bye. That if you just keep swimming, just keep swimming, life isn't all that grim. Ugh. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do we do? We swim. Right. So there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation, that Animal Kingdom conversation. And just, it's so much fun. I love talking with people who know about the parks, talking about the parks. It's just, it's great. I love talking about Disney World. And guess what? In two weeks, 
I've got Skywalking Through Neverland coming up on the show. Sarah and Rich, who are just phenomenal podcasters, broadcasters, YouTubers, videographers, and everything. They are all things Disney, all things Star Wars. You actually can find them online, skywalkingthroughneverland.com. They've got great podcasts, and I will steer you to episode 251. It's a phenomenal walkthrough of Galaxy's Edge and Disneyland. They, they really break it down for you from a, from a fan point of view. And not everything is perfect. They, they do criticize Disney on a few things, which is kind of cool. But they're coming up on the show in two weeks, and we'll be talking about Disneyland. But that, of course, is coming up in two weeks. Coming up on next week's show, however, the hosts of the Imagineers Disney podcast, Matt and Susie, they'll be coming on the show with me. We're going to talk about all things future Disney next year, this year, next year, the year after. What happens after the 50th anniversary? We'll do some rumors. We'll do some speculations. And we'll just have a great conversation about Disney stuff because that's what we like to do here. So one more announcement for you. This coming Monday, I'm going to debut something that uh, has really not a lot to do with Disney, but because it's from my heart, I hope you guys can listen. I hope you guys will listen and just kind of, you know, tune in and see what you think. Uh, I am starting a new podcast called My Kids Got the Autism. And, of course, I do have an autistic son. He's seven years old. His name is Campbell. And I'm going to talk a little bit about being a dad because it's from the perspective of a dad who doesn't know what he's doing. Because guess what? That's me. So that's going to be coming up Monday. You'll be able to find it on Apple Podcasts. At first, I'm going to get it on Google Play and Stitcher and all the other places over the next week or two. But uh, you'll find that uh, online. You can actually go to uh, my website as well and get that there. We'll just uh, we'll just put it up and see what happens. I don't exactly know where it's going to go just yet. That's why I'm not going to do the Monday Disney show because I'm doing a Monday Autism Dad show. And I'm hoping that it'll kind of put forth the idea that if you're out there and you have autism in your family, you're struggling, you have friends who are autistic, and you don't know what to do, then you're not alone. Guess what? You can come be with me, and all of us will not know what we're doing. So there you go. That is our show today, and I hope you guys have had a great time. Great time like I have had a great time here. Please come back next week. Uh, please go on iTunes, review the show, rate the show, subscribe to the show, and tell a friend. That's how these podcasts grow. So until next time, don't forget to thank a Phoenician. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Magic on a Dollar. Facebook at Disney on a Dollar. And of course, magiconadollar.com. See you real soon.